you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn in the Old Testament to the book of Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And once you've found your place in Deuteronomy 16, I'm going to ask you to stand. We revere the Word of God here. It is truth, the only truth. So we'll stand as we hear it read together this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 16, beginning in verse 18, this is the word of the Lord. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now chapter 17, verse 8. If cases come before your courts that are too difficult for you to judge, whether bloodshed, lawsuits, or assaults, take them to the place the Lord your God will choose. Go to the priests who are Levites, and to the judge who is in office at that time. Inquire of them, and they will give you the verdict. You must act according to the decisions they give you at the place the Lord will choose. Be careful to do everything they direct you to do. Act according to the law they teach you and the decisions they give you. Do not turn aside from what they tell you to the right or to the left. The man who shows contempt for the judge or for the priest who stands ministering there to the Lord your God must be put to death. You must purge the evil from Israel. All the people will hear and be afraid and will not be contemptuous again. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your own brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not a brother Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver or gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that of the priests who are the Levites. It is to be with him. And he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we... Ask now, as always, that you will fulfill your promise to bless the reading and hearing of your word. Father, I pray that you would perform another miracle, turn uh, the water of my words into wine, Lord. I pray that your spirit would be the teacher here this morning. What is truth and your truth, Lord, I pray that you would uh, embed it deep within our hearts. And that through your truth, you would transform our lives. That's why I've come here this morning to submit to you, to your authority, and to your truth. Help us to do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. 
Well, as many of you are well aware, after almost two years of our study in the book of Deuteronomy, the entirety of this book is spoken by Moses to God's people while they are gathered on the plains of Moab. The plains of Moab are on the east side of the Jordan River. On the west side, across the Jordan River, lies the promised land, the land that God has promised to give them, the land that will become home for the nation of Israel. But before they go into this land, God graciously orders their life for them. And the chapters we've just read are part of this bigger section that began back in chapter 12 uh, of the law of God. Through this law, God puts structure and order into the lives of his people. It's structure and order not meant as a detriment to them, not meant to be a downer to them. But God's structure and God's order is meant to be a blessing to his people. And through them, a blessing to the nations of the world. Through this structure, God will bless them. They'll prosper, as it says in verse 20. They will, they will have life in the promised land. So what we need to do this morning as we come to this passage is kind of get a, a big sweep. A big sweep of human history. Don't panic that's taken place up to the time that we find these people on the plains of of Moab. Because we'll be blessed by seeing this sweep of history. We'll be blessed by seeing what is in the heart of God. We'll be blessed by seeing God's faithfulness and bringing that plan about because he loves us. Blessing us with order has always been God's plan. Genesis, book one, chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. I want to teach you a Hebrew phrase. I always like to give you something with which you can impress your friends. So here's a little Hebrew phrase. It's kind of well known. And if you know this, people will be impressed that you know your theology. Okay, here's the term in Hebrew. Tohu vabohu. Ready to say that? Tohu Vabohu. All right, ready? Here we go. Tohu vabohu. One more time. Thank you very much. That is what's translated here as formless and void. It's kind of tricky to translate this phrase, and sometimes it's translated as chaos and desolation. The point is that God spoke into chaos to order it, to give it form, to give it content. Let there be light. Let there be sky, God said. Let there be dry ground and vegetation. Let there be sun and moon. Let there be living creatures. Let there be birds in the sky. Let there be animals of every kind. Let there be man made in our image. Let there be rest. God spoke that order into creation. Isaiah 48 sums it up beautifully. For the Lord is God and he created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. Well, into this well-ordered world, the serpent came with his temptation to sin and his call to chaos. Adam and Eve, as you know the story, they yielded to that temptation and chaos ensued. Their perfect relationship with God, broken. Nakedness realized. Pain in childbirth, pain in sweat and working the earth that now produced thorns and thistles, because life lived outside of God's order is difficult and it is painful. 
But God sacrificed an animal, covered their nakedness with skins. He gave them a promise that one is coming. One is coming who will crush the head of the one who brought the chaos. Order will return. Then we come to the days of Noah. Chaos again called to human beings and human beings heeded the call. Genesis 6 tells us that at that time, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. Life lived outside of God's order is a life of true darkness. So there's a flood to end the chaos. There's a rainbow and a promise. Order will return. Then we come to the Tower of Babel and its blind ambition and arrogant pride and people's disregard for the plan of God. Chaos ensues when God confuses the language and scatters the people over the face of the earth. Life is confusing outside of the order of God. Then comes God's call to Abraham and God's promise of a great nation. Order will return. Abraham's great-grandson Joseph becomes a, a man of greatness and power in the land of Egypt. And while there, Abraham's descendants multiply and they become so numerous that they take on nation status as they number in the millions. But Joseph would soon be forgotten. You know that story as well. Slavery would ensue, oppression, ruthless work, bitter lives, social, political chaos. Life is unbearable. Life is oppressive when it's lived outside of God's order. But then comes God's freedom and his release from slavery. God is powerfully restoring things. But what happens? Once again comes the call of chaos. And God's people are disobedient and God's people are rebellious. And so for 40 years, they are wandering around in the desert. Rootless, homeless, chaos. That was quick because now we're back up to the plains of Moab. 40 years have passed and now they are gathered here ready to enter the promised land. And once again, God gives order so that the lives of his people will be blessed. God's order is described here. His plan, his structure. As they enter into the promised land, they will have judges. They will have officers to bring order and to maintain order. The people are to live lives of submission, obedience to these men. If these men on the local level are unable to render decisions, then there's another structure for them. There is national leadership. They can go to the place that the Lord will appoint, which will be the temple. And there they can appear before the judge and the priests and a decision will be rendered. God is also going to give his people prophets to speak his word to them through these men so that their lives will be well ordered. God puts his structure in place so that his people can have ordered and secure lives because chaos always calls. Chaos always entices us with lies. Throw off the order, throw off the structure. That's where true freedom is found. Okay, I need you to confess now. Did anybody read the blog I wrote this week? Oh, my word. Raise your hand if you read it. Are you kidding me? Three people. Never again. No, never mind. So good, this will be news to you. But in that blog, if you had read it, 
I quote Tim Keller's reference to the song, Let It Go. Because I wrote about that song, Let It Go, you know the rest of that story, I've been singing it all week. Let it go, let it go. If you happen to be among the blessed minority that has never heard of that song, let me tell you about it. It's sung by a character named Elsa, a girl named Elsa in the Disney movie Frozen, and it won the 2013 Oscar for the best original song. If you had read the blog, you would also know that I mentioned how ubiquitous the song is. You can't get away from it. It's on your car radio. It's in the grocery store. It's in the restaurant. It's in the mall. I go to the gym trying to work out. What do I hear? Let it go. Let it go. Here's the message that's being repeated over and over and over in every place and every way. Millions of people, children and adults, are hearing this message. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go, let it go. I'm one with the wind and sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never hear me cry. Here I stand and here I'll stay. Let the storm rage on. Let it go, let it go. When I'll rise like the break of dawn. Let it go, let it go. This perfect girl is gone. Here I stand in the light of day. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Listen, if you see that movie, this is a compelling, it is a magnetic call to chaos. It's a call for us to buck the system, just like the horse trying to throw off its rider. It doesn't want the bed. It doesn't want the saddle. It doesn't want the reins. Throw it off. Be free. And because you and I kind of side with the horse, you know, we want the horse to go free. Because we kind of side with Elsa, she's so enticing as she stands on the mountain and sings and the wind is blowing and she shouts, let it go. Because we cheer just a little bit when she lets her hair down and when she stamps her foot in defiance and the the ice beneath her feet lights up and forms this beautiful pattern. Because we're inspired when she proclaims, here I stand in the light of day and in that moment the sun breaks forth on Elsa. Because at that point, we want to stand and cheer and say, you go, girl. (laughs) And we do. I've seen the movie. It's just a reminder that chaos may not be very far from any one of us. Because we look at Elsa and her freedom. We vicariously feel free when we watch her sing and throw caution to the wind. But in actuality, that only leads to chaos. Because when the performance is over and no one is watching and there's no one to inspire, there's no one to defy, what does Elsa have left? She's thrown it all away. Disney can make chaos look spectacular. Disney can make chaos look noble and right. But Disney is what it is. It is make-believe. Do you understand that? Disney is make-believe. It is animated unreality. Because the truth about chaos, the truth about letting it go, is that it's ugly. It's darkness, it's emptiness, it's void, it's thorns, it's thistles, it's nakedness, it's ruthless taskmaster, and it leads to a life of bitterness. The pulpit, right here, wonderful place to proclaim truth. Truth that reorients your life and my life when we stray. 
And we can never, never let go of truth. Just like we can never, ever let go of the steering wheel of a car that's badly out of alignment because the moment we let it go, that car is going to pull sharply to the right or to the left. We can't ever let truth go. We've got to hold on to it tightly or our lives will pull pull sharply toward chaos. And the fact that we don't really believe that maybe or the fact that we look around at the else's of the world and we think, well, their life doesn't look chaos to me. It looks pretty good to me. It's just a reminder that we have got to be called to the truth and to cling to the truth. So here's the truth for you this morning. Here's the first truth. God is the source of all life. God is the source of all life. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Orient your life around that truth. All things are from God. All life comes from God, which means life is not found elsewhere. Elsa. You can stamp your foot in defiance, but it won't change the fact. 1 Corinthians 8, 5. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 reminds us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. His power. So it's it's the powerful word of Jesus that's sustaining your life and my life right now. It's the word of his power that's sustaining this church. The word of his power sustains this city. The word of his power sustains this nation. The word of his power sustains this world. And when and if the son decides that he will ever not sustain any of this anymore, he merely has to say the word. Orient your life around that truth. Life is sustained by the powerful word of Christ. The power to sustain life is found nowhere else, Elsa. We can stamp our foot in defiance. Those around us can stamp their foot in defiance, but it won't change the fact. We've got to constantly be reminding ourselves of the truth and our place before the truth. We've got to be reminded of who we are before one who is so powerful. Psalm 99 says, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Psalm 114.7 Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. I don't read those verses to make any one of us here distance ourselves from the Lord or flee from His presence because this powerful one is also the one who has said to us, Come unto me, come to me, all who are weary. And heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The Lord wants us to be near him. This powerful one gave his life so that you and I may be in his presence forever. I only remind us of this truth so that we are not tempted to stamp 
our feet in defiance and go off into chaos so that you and I are not tempted to say, let it go, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free, and not care about the consequences. So that we're not tempted to say, let the storm rage on, I'll rise like the break of dawn, the cold doesn't bother me anyway. There's only chaos in that life. The truth is that the one who is the source of life, all life, the one who graciously sustains our lives and this world for us, he gets to make the rules. Would you agree with that? He gets to make the rules. And he's allowed to impose upon his people how he wants them to live. He gets to lay the structure over our lives. That's his prerogative as the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And that's what he does here in verses 16 and 17 of Deuteronomy. You see what God's doing here? He's literally holding back the chaos with the structure that he puts in place because chaos is going to press in on his people from all the nations around them. They're surrounded. And those nations will press their chaos upon God's people. Come join our chaotic lives. Well, God has made this little nation. He's put them right in their midst. They're going to live according to God's structure and their society is going to be unique to anything around them. And it's going to be a society where if the people will be faithful, God is going to extend his order and he is going to push back the chaos, not only for the people of Israel, but for all of the world. God's order, officers, judges, priests, kings, prophets, all of them working together in God's beautiful system of checks and balances that will bring a a contingent, abundant life for his people. But here's the thing, and listen to this. Supreme over all of these men, supreme over all judges and prophets and priests and kings is the word of God. Supreme over all. To what are the judges and officials called locally? It's in chapter 16, verse 20. Follow justice and justice alone. And where do they find justice? It's revealed to them in God himself. Deuteronomy chapter 10. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice. These men are men under authority. Move up to the next level. The high court, which will be in Jerusalem, and the judges and the priests there, what are they to do? Verse 11, chapter 17, people are to act according to the law they teach. They're to teach the people the word of God. These are men under authority. Move on up to the king. What's he to do? You heard it for yourself. I read it. In chapter 17, verse 18, the moment he ascends the throne, what's he supposed to do? Can you imagine? He has to write out his own copy of the law on a scroll. How long would that take him? He's to keep that scroll with the word of God near him always. He is to study it every day of his life so that he will not turn to the right or to the left. Move on up the chain to prophet. This is in chapter 18, verse 18. God says, I will raise up for you a prophet like Moses from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. You get the point? God's word is over all of these people. At every level, God's word is supreme. So clearly, God's message is not let it go. God's message is hold it close. Hold close the truth of the word of God. God seeks order 
for our lives. God seeks to bless the lives of his people by ridding them of the chaos and the turmoil and the darkness and the thorns and the thistles and the emptiness and the voidness of the world. We know the rest of this story as well. The system of order failed. Not because the system failed, but because the men placed in that system were flawed. They failed. The Elsa and each one of them said, let it go. And they let it go. They let go the truth of God. The judges let it go. Judge Samson in his dalliance with Delilah. Judge Eli honored his sons more than God. He wouldn't discipline them. So the judges let it go. The priests let it go. Eli's sons were priests, Hophni and Phinehas. They were scoundrels, scripture says, who had no regard for the Lord, yet they were priests. People would bring their meats to be sacrificed to God and they would take it from them. And if the people didn't give them the meat, they would take it by force. Scripture says they slept with women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. So the priests let it go. The kings let it go. Manasseh. An evil king did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, built altars to Baal and put up Asherah poles there in the the courts of the temple. He made altars to the powers of heaven. He bowed before them. He even sacrificed his own son. Can you imagine? Sacrificed his own son into the fire. He practiced sorcery, divination, consulted with mediums and psychics. The king, who was supposed to hold close the word of God, he let it go. Finally, the prophets let it go. Jeremiah 14, God says, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own mind. So everyone at every level, let it go. And what was the result? God continued to send his prophets to speak to them, but scripture says they wouldn't listen. They mocked, they despised, they scoffed the prophets. And so what happened? Chaos. Chaos ensued. The king of Babylon came. And he put people to death by the sword. Scripture says young and old, male, female, didn't matter. He killed them. Chaos. The temple was destroyed. The wall broken down. They burned the palaces. They destroyed everything of value. Those who had not been killed were carried off into exile to become servants to the king of Babylon and his sons. That's chaos. You would think we would get it, wouldn't you? You would think we would finally understand that letting go of the truth of God only leads to chaos in our lives, but we don't. Because the call of chaos is so alluring. You would also think that God would finally just give up on us, that he would abdicate, that he would be the one that would finally sing, let it go, let them go. Go ahead. Enjoy your life of chaos. But God loves us too much for that, doesn't he? So what does he do? Well, he puts this glorious star up in the sky. And the brightness of that star pierces the darkness. And that star is right over the place where Jesus will be born. And in the moment that Jesus is born, the word becomes flesh. And makes his dwelling among us. 
And so that word that spoke, let there be, let there be, let there be sun, let there be moon, let there be earth, let there be sky. That word, that word is now the living word with a life that speaks order into our chaotic lives. Is that good news? And so into this world of helpless philosophies, into this world that was literally choked with powerless idols, Jesus speaks living words of life and order. That's how much God wants order for your life and my life. He came to earth himself to establish that order and to bless our lives with it. The order that he established in Eden, the order that he establishes here in Deuteronomy 16 and 17, finally finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. So take out your bulletin. Don't get excited. We're not quite through yet. But I just wonder if you could just write down, just jot down where the chaos is in your life. And here's how you can kind of find it. You know chaos is lurking or it's found. Wherever it is, we are seeking to live our lives outside of God's order, outside of God's truth. Chaos is found or at least it's lurking in every place that you and I are tempted to let it go. And we're tempted to let it go when we start making justifications for what we want to do. Chaos is lurking in that place. And so where is chaos calling to you? Throw it off. Abandon God's truth, at least in this one situation. That temptation is alluring and it's appealing. Elsa and her song, they will seduce you. But we have to remember it's fake. It's an illusion. And so this morning I call all of us, come on, come back to reality. Come back to truth. Order and not chaos is what God seeks for our lives. The reality is that chaos and turmoil, they do come into our lives. And here's why. Let's go back to the garden. The enemy, serpent, just like then, he slithers into our lives now to confuse us. And the point of his entry is the the point of, of chaos where that seed is planted. He never changes. Did you ever notice in scripture that Satan's first words that are recorded, they're not a statement. They're not an accusation. His first words come as a question. A question to stir up doubt in the heart and the mind of Eve. A question to plant a seed that will germinate into chaos. And so his question is this. Did God really say? And that's all he has to do for you and for me. That's all he has to do. Make us question God's structure, God's order, God's truth for our lives. Is that what God really wants? Are you sure you are right about that? Look around you. Look at the facts. Can you really believe this way is the best way? Because look, Satan knows if he came directly against God with an accusation, God is wrong, our defenses would go up and we would defend God. God is not wrong. But if he suggests, are you sure God is right? That's a different story, isn't it? And we'll pause to answer that question. You and I 
as God's people, we're not immune from turmoil and chaos in our lives. And we're getting very close to the end now, so hang in there with me. Psalm 42 and 43, written by the sons of Korah. And this is what they write. This question is asked three times in these Psalms. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Again, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? A third time, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? See, it's possible for God's people to be in turmoil, confusion, to be in commotion, Internally, chaos can enter into our lives. And you know how it entered into the lives of these sons of Korah? Chaos entered in because Scripture says they were kept away from the presence of God. They were prevented from worshiping God. And the circumstances that kept them from worshiping and from the presence of God, that's not what's important. The consequences are important. Because they were kept from the presence of the Lord, their soul was in turmoil. So what's the remedy for the turmoil? What drives it away? The question that was asked three times is answered three times. Here's the answer. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In Psalm 42, 6, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. Listen, the only way for us to drive the chaos out of our lives is to look up to God, to remember him, to put our hope in him. Psalm 42, 1, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you have a longing for Jesus? If you stay close to Jesus, if you keep him close to you, you'll keep the chaos away. Jesus is the prophet. He speaks truth to us. Jesus is the priest. Even now, he makes intercession on our behalf before the Father. Jesus is the true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he chases away the chaos. Amen. He's light. And he gives content to your life and to my life. Scripture says he is over all and in all and through all. So our lives are not empty and meaningless. Jesus has given us a structure. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Read how many times he says it in John chapter 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you. So please don't be fooled this morning into thinking you can let it go. That you can let him go and everything will be all right. Please don't think that you can go these long stretches of time spent away from Christ. You can't because I promise you this. And the testimony of scripture, the history of the scene this morning should confirm that turmoil will come. Chaos will overtake you. Just like the king in Deuteronomy is required to write the word of God, read the word of God, keep it close every day of his life. So it is for you and me. We keep the truth of the living word. 
We keep the truth of the living, the written word close to us. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. Okay. Don't let him go. Hold him close. Embrace the order that he has for your life. The speak, the truth that he speaks to you and through you and his word and embrace and be blessed by the order that God gives to you and me through Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the authority of it. We thank you for the structure that you reveal in it. And Lord, we know as human beings that the first thing we want to do when people talk about structure and order and obedience and submission is to throw it all off and to let it go. That is the human heart. We think we know where freedom lies, but we're so deceived and we're so confused. Lord, freedom lies for each of us by living within your structure and your order. So we thank you for blessing us with it. Father, true freedom lies for each of us in acknowledging you, Lord Jesus, as the true prophet, priest, and king, submitting our lives to you. So Lord, in this moment, I pray for those here this morning who may not have ever been submissive in that way. But there may be people here this morning who are stamping their feet like Elsa in defiance of you, defiance of this proposition that you are truth and that there is no other, that you are life and there is no other. But Lord, you are a powerful God. And so we pray now, O Spirit of God, that you would be at work showing them the folly of that belief return their hearts so that they rejoice in this, to see this is good news, order for our lives, chaos dispelled, hallelujah, that's good news, freedom in Christ. So do your work in them, we pray. For all of us, Lord, cause us to be submissive to your word in all areas of our lives. Father, rob from us the justifications that we would make to say, oh, it's okay, Let it go. No, it isn't. So don't let us fool ourselves. Lord, hold us close to you. Keep us in the palm of your hand. Speak your truth through us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.